0: What's up everybody? Welcome to the Pick Six Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It is Monday, June the 15th, uh, coming up on this episode. A couple things to take care of uh, before we dive into it. We're gonna have uh, a second part conversation with NFL Media's Mark Sessler, good friend of the program. He was on uh, for our All Thirty Two series last week, covering the Browns. Uh, we do a couple with two teams we're in on and one team we're out on. Doesn't have to be like you're gonna pick. you know, We're not gonna pick the Chiefs. We're not, you know, this is, this is dumb to do that. We're going to pick teams that were a little under-the-radar teams we like that we want to just kind of buy in stock in and the teams are selling stock on. And also, we uh went into a lengthy discussion ranking Quentin Tarantino films. Um, And unfortunately, Mark told a great story about running into Quentin Tarantino uh, after the podcast is already ended recording. But it's an awesome talk. Uh, Cesar's a great guy. Uh, and then after the break, we'll be joined by, I'll be joined by Ryan Wilson and Sean wagner McGough for uh, our usual Monday mailbag reminder. Uh, if you've been enjoying the All 32 series where we take a look at every single NFL team, you can continue to enjoy it, but you'll be uh, enjoying it without me because I'm out. I'm on vacation this week. Uh, I'm going to see my in-laws, who I love. Uh, and uh, we'll have the super friends filling in, talking uh, with guests from the various NFC and AFC South teams. So make sure and check that out. And, uh, we've got, we'll have all 32 teams in the series. It should be an exciting time. Let's get to Mark Sessler. All right, Sessler, you, uh, you got wrangled into two parts of this podcast. That's, uh, that's what you get for, uh, for being an action, like we're actually friends. So you have to, you have to deal with it. Happy Um, to do it. (laughs) Right. Right. It's like enjoy the iPad kids. Uh, okay. So we're going to, we're going to do some NFL and then maybe a little bit of nonsense. But first, uh, so like I like the way that you approach looking at various teams. Um, in, in that you, I, we're, we're texting about this before. It's like, cause we were talking about teams you're in on, teams you're out on. You're like, do they need to be like teams I think I'll make the playoffs? It's like, no, teams you, teams you, te- like, like you're, you're buying, like not even buying stock. You just want a piece of the action, right? That's it. So, yeah. uh, give me two te- give me one <clears throat> team. We'll go back and forth cause I got a couple too. Uh, give me a team you're in on for 2020.
1: I am in on the Miami Dolphins. Ooh. And I, you know, I think first of all, um, the caveat that, oh, I don't think they'll make the playoffs, I have no idea because that division's weird. Um it, it I know everyone just tickets the Bills to win it at this point, uh, which I think there are a couple flaws with that theory. <laughs> it just It's just that things don't work out that smoothly. Brian Flores, to me, um, the combination of him and Ryan Fitzpatrick, and we'll see two at some point maybe right away, they were just too good last year down the stretch, and they got my engine revved way too much. in that last – that week 17 – um, victory over the Patriots kind of to me signified forget what the front office wanted to do with the organic fish tank, the organic <laughs> tank job. Um, the roster and the coaching staff said we simply reject the idea of that and we're going to cause total chaos. I mean, it's possible that Tom Brady is still a Patriot had New England, won that game, oh, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. And then everything had gone in a different way. So, and Ryan this was...
0: Ryan might have ended the, the Patriots dynasty
1: in week 17. Yeah, and I would argue that right from a certain... You can look at it from a certain way. Ryan Fitzpatrick might have been the best quarterback in that division last year. Yep. They've added some pieces. I just think that they're a team, um, again, with, with a good direction. And they may, you know, leap up in the win um count a little bit quicker than some think. I wouldn't be shocked to see them go eight and eight and I just think they're fun. And the Dolphins, you know, my brother's a Dolphins fan, and they have been like hot garbage for so long. I mean, it's kind of under the radar what that fan base has gone through if you pick them up back in the 80s with Dan Marino. And um, for me, it's been a long time since I've taken them seriously at all. And so I kind of like the idea of new teams rising up versus the same old uh, grouping of them. And to me, Miami fits the bill.
0: Yeah, so we're yeah, exactly. We're that's sort of what we're thinking about too with this exercise. It's not like I'm in on the Chiefs, right? It's like yeah, everybody's in on the yeah. Chiefs. <laughs> like, I, like I don't like to pick. I don't like to pick the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl, and it, even though it's it's what I should do if I'm smart, but it just feel it just feels wrong. It's like I don't want to root for. I don't want to root for order. In the NFL, right. I want chaos. And if you're uh, boring yourself, you
1: right. probably are going to be boring others. So just going down Chiefs Road is a bit, um, a bit, uh, well overhashed at this point.
0: So the, the Dolphins, by the way, have, uh, since 2000, for the purposes of the Bill Belichick conversation, they have been to the playoffs four times. Uh, they went in 2000 and 2001. Uh, but since the 2001 playoff, uh, run with Dave Wansett, they have three seasons with double digit wins. Um, including the, uh, Tony Sperano wildcat year of 2008 where, Bell, where Brady's knee got shredded. Yeah. Um, and then the, the Adam Gase luck box of 2016, uh, when they went 10 and six. So those are the only two playoffs. I mean, it's just, it's just sad. Like, I mean, the, it's just sad when you look at like what's it's happening. messy. It's and they very were messy. They were, yeah. And so uh, I'm with you. I'd like, plus I, I feel like I wasn't really in on Tua until everybody started burying him and especially like the medicals. And right, I don't right. think the Dolphins did a good job of the smoke screen necessarily, but I want but I want I want Tua to be good and, and be fun and like the Dolphins fans who were hoping for him for two years to finally get what they deserve. Uh the, the team I'm in on and uh, sorry, I think I've put my put my flag in the ground here for this team, but I'm in on the Arizona Cardinals. Um I, I you know, they are Cliff Kingsbury is the sexiest coach in college football. There's no – I don't think there's any – exce, except for maybe Pete Carroll, who just, you know, the, the Silver Fox ways are, are quite impressive. Uh, but more importantly, Kyler Murray, I thought, showed unbelievable upside last year with his deep ball accuracy. They add DeAndre Hopkins. Um, you know, they they go out and uh, they they bolster the defense with Isaiah Simmons. And they, they have, like – if you look at their weapons, it's like um, Hopkins – uh, Christian Kirk, Larry Fitzgerald, Akeem Butler, and Andy Isabella—guys who are sort of flying under the radar. Plus, uh, Kenyon Drake is kind of fascinating. How he, like, like all these other Adam Gase, former Adam Gase players, emerge from that that dark cocoon and then somehow, like, like morph into a beautiful butterfly for somebody else. <laughs> which is like Ryan Tannehill. It's it's amazing. Um, and I, I want. I want a little bit of chaos in that NFC West where Russell Wilson has held it down for so long, the Rams might be sliding, who knows, the 49ers are or have to overcome that that tough loss in the Super Bowl. So I'm I'm in on the Cardinals and think that they will be fun regardless of what happens and I do think there's the upside for them to win the division.
1: I just look at what they did down the stretch, you know, yeah. over the last month last year where they, you know, we talked the Browns, they dropped a bomb on them. Uh, they beat the they beat the Seahawks and nearly beat the rams i mean that would have, that was a pretty great way to go out, giving your fans some hope you got DeAndre Hopkins to me you know I guess maybe you 'd have a little bit of questions about the offensive line still yes um but Kyla murray's the kind of quarterback that can make the line look a lot better than than others would he 's not one of these sort of stone age ponies back there in the pocket that 's just going to get destroyed if anyone 's within two feet of him. It's a fascinating division. Um, I'm with you entirely on Cliff Kingsbury. I like when coaches come to the NFL and, you know, secretly old veteran coaches are thinking, forget this guy. What he's doing is not going to work. And then There's it does kind sunglasses work.
0: and his loafers, it ain't working yeah, anymore. Well, they like,
1: even treated Jimmy Johnson that way when he yeah. came out of Miami, you know, and it's like they don't want to see – you want disorder in the NFC West. These coaches, most of them are the old school, want, want order. And uh, the Cardinals sort of represent potential chaos, so I'm with you.
0: Yeah, and the cool thing about Kingsbury like at first it was like oh no he's kicking in the red zone over and over and I think he I think he changed up his philosophy and how he approached it which was interesting. All right, who uh who else are you in on in the NFL?
1: Okay, so not a playoff team, but I'm really in. We were lucky to interview Matt Rule a couple of weeks ago on our Ooh. show. Yeah, and so- I I am all in on Matt Rule and I really think that um the Panthers who I think it's kind of just you were looking for these bad teams. Oh, they'll be 4 and 12. And I I get that they lost a lot of people. But I, I want to see the absolute overhaul on defense where, you know, you're the first team in a billion decades to draft all defensive players. Are they all going to work out right away? No. But I mean, it's an I like suddenly it's not the same old cast of characters. And I'm not a huge Teddy Bridgewater guy, but hearing Matt Rule talk about him and why he brought him in and, and just what he feels about the person and and also the player, it kind of. It got, it got me thinking that, um, this could be a pretty great landing spot for Teddy Bridgewater. If it isn't a, you know, they go two and 14 and suddenly they're drafting a different quarterback where that you could see right. that too. But the Robbie Anderson thing, he's, you know, he'd be a question mark on some teams, but he knows Matt Rule. Matt Rule knows him. And like, I just think that speaking of Jimmy Johnson, I mentioned this a few times on our show that I just get these sort of vibes like that from Matt Rule. And we know that everywhere he's gone, um, you know, he inherited garbage and turned it into something special
0: like like temple football and then baylor which had just undergone like the worst scandal right and yeah and and they also just yanked the jerry richardson statue out of out in front of the
1: i feel like that's a karmic plus that is a huge karmic plus and uh you know i that's the kind of thing i think on that level too david tepper to me um the way that he found matt rule and in that one long six seven hour meeting uh where they talked about uh, Marty Herney at Matt, at, at, uh, Matt Rule's house eating like 25 meatballs. And they all just like got together and (laughs) liked each other a lot that, um, I think David Tepper is, is you're looking around at these owners and you're wondering who is, um, like stuffed with the messaging of today, who cares about what's happening today? I'm not going to say I know or they do or they don't, but it's not easy to pick five or six of those guys that seem like modern day owners that are super progressive. And to me, Tepper, um, he is that guy a little bit. And when I've seen him speak, I just think that he and Matt Rule seem really wedded together, and that's so important. I mean, you hear Belichick saying the things that he learned before he signed up with Bob Kraft back in 2000 was you do not sign up with an owner that you don't have full belief in. And I think that the Panthers have that going on, and uh, it'll be a promising operation quickly.
0: David Tepper had some line. I can't, um, I can't remember what it is, but uh, I think – his line was, I'm open to knowing what I don't know, which I think is very important as an owner because if like, yes, me, we talked about the Browns on the previous show, but you know the, I think Jimmy Haslam thinks he knows how to run a football team and he, he doesn't because most people don't. And David Tepper spent a bunch of time on the business side and now is focusing on the football side, but also hiring a program builder and Matt rule. I mean, and look, it could combust like it could, it could end poorly. Because we just don't, you just, but you just don't know how these things play out. But I, I, I tend to agree with you. I think there's a a guy who knows how to build a foundation. The question is, is it a functional thing at an NFL level? Um, the other team that I'm in on, and I, I struggled on, on this one because I, I I wanted to, uh, I, like I like, I sort of want to like the New York Jets, but Adam Gase is coaching, so I I can't go there. So I'm going to pick a team that I think is a playoff team. And uh, this, I, I am I am all in on this team uh, for obvious reasons. But the Indianapolis Colts, uh, my guy, Philip Rivers, who I've who I've stand for for uh, years. <laughs> I think I heard Greg Rosenthal say on y'all's show when I was mowing the lawn the other day, a Philip R- Rivers
1: He is very into Philip Rivers, and yes. he um, he, well, he, gr- his gist was that it was a better signing than Tom Brady.
0: Oh, I I agree with that. I think that Rivers and Rivers came out. We recorded this on Friday or Thursday, um, June 11th, but uh, Rivers came out on that Thursday and said like, listen, I heard people talking crap about how I played. Like it's, I got a chip on my shoulder and he's, to me, Rivers is like perfectly Indianapolis. You know, like, he's perfect for Indianapolis. You, you know that at some point, once this country opens up, knock on wood, he's going to take all 10 of his kids to St. Elmo's, and they're going to have a big table. He's going to be signing autographs, be glad handing people a little bolo tie, like eating a bunch of shrimp. I mean, like, you can see it all playing out pretty easily. And Frank Wright, he and Frank Wright have a long history together. Uh, Nick Sirianni, of course, coached with him as well. And then they had these, like, t- fascinating weapons to me, along with one of the best offensive lines in football, But you have – Like, of course, T.Y. Hilton, you add Michael Pittman as the big body receiver, and then you have Paris Campbell, who people aren't really talking about, plus Marlon Mack and Jonathan Taylor. Like, I don't know how this offense isn't awesome, and if the defense with DeForest Buckner can sort of keep pace. I think this is a Super Bowl-caliber team, but I might be wearing my Rivers-colored glasses.
1: Well, I mean, if you look what they they were before Andrew Luck retired, when he had that one season where, to me, they looked like a juggernaut in the making – And it's a good setup for Philip Rivers because, you know, if you put Philip Rivers behind the Cardinals line, that's exactly what I'm talking about. I don't like that situation, but it is the best line in football. Um, you have got, you've got a nice selection of talent around them. And I think it's a really well run team from the front office on down. It would be a disappoint, a huge disappointment if they aren't a playoff team.
0: All right, uh, we'll just do one team you're out on because I don't want to be too negative and uh, we'll, we'll cut it a little bit shorter, but uh, give me one team you're out on for uh, 2020. And again, this doesn't have to be, like you could be out of the Chiefs. I mean, that would be a stupid choice right. or out of the 49ers or out of the Cowboys or whatever. Like it doesn't have to be a team that's going to suck. It's just a team you just don't want to deal with. I, um, I'm um, i going to go Bears. I just, the whole mm-hmm. Bears
1: experience. Sense. And, I, ha- and I, I have to admit, that I don't know if you if you experienced this at all, but I mean, from the very earliest days that I got into football, something about the NFC North um, mm-hmm. has just never really appealed to me. And I, I can't logically explain it, except that the combination of the Lions um, and the Bears and the Vikings, and I liked some of those. I love the Brett Favre package. Yeah, I was about to say,
0: Favre was the only guy, but it's like the Lions, because for our age, the Lions ruined Barry Sanders. Yep. Which is immensely frustrating. Yep. I don't know what the Vikings were. The Vikings, like the 98 Vikings, there
1: have been these moments where yeah, it's like sure, they ran, sure. when they got spicy, they got spicy. And the Vikings, I find more enjoyable than most of the rest. But the Bears, to me, um, in their current incarnation, are a bit of a snooze fest. Uh, I just, I'm tired of hearing about it. Show it to me. Um, I don't want to cover, I don't want to overcover the Bears until they've uh, made an impact or do something to get my heart started. I just thought they were, incredibly don't now can nick Foles come in and do a better job than mitch Trubisky? Uh, well yes i think he can but do i trust him to like not have a shattered collarbone like um 88 snaps into the season it just he's never started more than 11 games i think he's a fascinating uh, inspiring quarterback and i i honestly love his story and who he is but in terms of trusting him as a starter i think
0: it's a risk he's like you need nick Foles as an adrenaline shot not as a like an everyday lifeblood flow, you know what I mean? Like he, he just needs to be, like he had that one season with Chip Kelly where he was like 27 and two and then otherwise it's the, it's the Super Bowl run. I, the Bears are an inspired pick. I like, that would have been, I think that would have been in my top three along, cause I'm trying, you know, I'm not going to pick the Redskins and just bear like, I'm out of the, cause I actually think the Redskins are kind of interesting. I think the Bengals are interesting. I, I, w- I will not bury the Raiders on this program any further. So I'm not going to pick them. Uh, I, I, da- I dabbled with, the idea of the, the Los Angeles Rams, but I, I can mm. see maybe, I, I don't want to, the Atlanta Falcons is my team. Oh, that's I, perfect. I'm out of the, like there's, there's nothing, and, and you know what? Here's the number one reason why, and I've, I've, I've bitched and moaned about it on this podcast a bunch, but like the tweets this offseason where they were bragging incessantly about having 11 first rounds picks. If you're like on, on offense, it's like, well, okay, first of all, you have to go into a three wide receiver set to get Laquan Treadwell out there. Second of all, <laughs> like, like 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 you got Todd Gurley. Can, I, I, congratulations! I don't. And it, and what happens if if you look at the Falcons? I think Mike Clay of ESPN did this. And if you take away, this sounds kind of dumb, but if you take away a team's every team's number one wide receiver and number one running back, like let's just say injuries happen. I mean, all of a sudden. You're operating with Brian Hill and Calvin Ridley and like Russell Gage, Lacan Treadwell, Christian Blake, Olamide Zacchaeus. This, if Julio Jones and Todd Gurley aren't healthy or aren't great, this team on offense is a problem. And I just don't know that I'm buying the idea that six and two down the stretch was the real Falcons. So I'm out of the Falcons.
1: Yeah. Why is the real Falcons without those injuries, uh, you know, a team that started what one and seven <laughs> to me? In the year before they started poorly and it's like, I, that division is gonna, they're all gonna eat each other up too and, um, yeah, the Falcons to me just feel like a team that never, and they've dealt with a lot of injuries on defense. I get that. They've had a lot to overcome, but, um, I think it's a great pick because they're just, um, a bit of a snooze fest because it's for me and we've talked about, I like, I want to see new faces and new places, and the Falcons are a lot of the same. And the Todd Gurley thing, uh, maybe because it's here living in LA and every street used to have like Todd Gurley on the <laughs> billboard. And I just kind of, you kind of get tired of the teams yeah. in your own locale to some degree. Um, but I, I'm not that fascinated to see what Todd Gurley does in Atlanta. It's not, it's not on my list of the top 20 things I can't wait to observe.
0: Yeah, and it, they treated it like they're like, like, I think the tweet was like, we got him. It's like, nobody wanted like it. Okay, you? you did, yes. You over, yeah, you overpaid with the you're running back with the arthritic knee. Maybe he comes out and he's great. That'd be cool to see. But I I, I do like
1: Dan Quinn, though. I, I will say that, like, I um, do there too. Were, you know, in those Super Bowl, like, pr- like the weeks where you get a chance to, like, talk to coaches, and I, yeah. he always appealed to me as this, like, really intelligent, um, focused guy who knows what he wants. And uh, I think if he ever were to leave there, he'd get another job. I really, really do. But, um, it's not been a great couple of years for Dan Quinn.
0: Yeah. He, we, we sat down with him at the combine on like our CBS set when he first got hired. And he was willing to engage in a discussion about which coaches would win fight, a fight club or like a fight, like a, like a steel cage ring, like, or a rubble. And so like, like, so, I mean, I think most coaches would play along, but you know, I mean, he was like into it. He's like, yeah, you know, like, I think, he's like, I think I can take so. So, so so, like that sort of endeared me to him. And, and I, I do like him and I think he cares about his players. I think he tries hard. But I just can't, they, they they're the, t- they just keep running this team back. Like they just right. won't hit the reset button and I, I think they're, they're like the team that they, they, they came so close to the 28 to 3 thing that they, they're in their mind, they are still that team that was in the Super Bowl and it's just, it's just not the case. Um, okay. A, that's a good list of teams. All right. Let's, let's hit some nonsense real quick. So you have a, uh, once upon a time in Hollywood poster behind you. Uh, as you speak, oh, yes, with draw with, with, with an, around the NFL drawing by, uh, hopefully not you, but one of your children. Uh, by, by my, one of my children, yes. <laughs> right, right. Um, so I've been on a Tarantino bender lately and I haven't watched, uh, once, uh, once upon a time in like, I, I watched it a couple of times, but I haven't watched it in a few weeks. Uh, where, where does once upon a time slot in the Tarantino, uh, pantheon of movies for you?
1: I feel like it's probably twice that, um, sometimes you have a few beers in you and it's Saturday night. And like I put out um, in response to someone else, like my top, I think it's top five or seven Tarantino yeah. list. And I I consistently am putting Once Upon a Time in Hollywood on top of it because I think for me in the being moving out here <clears throat> initially to do screenwriting and just um, kind of moving out of here for movies in general and then life changed. It's just hit on so many things that were fascinating to me. And then when I would go and listen to, you know, Tarantino, on these podcasts dive into what every single reference in the movie mm. what it, what they meant. Um, it's just this deep catalog of stuff. I think it was sort of him dumping the notebook of his passions too, and I think it was one of the best um movies about male friendship that I've ever seen. And yeah. it just it just kind of and and you could throw the Sharon Tate thing in there, which I'm pretty fascinated with I It's love kind of
0: insane, Cry. and it's like a, it's a sort of running undercurrent subplot. That sort of, that's the thing for me is like, I like, I love that Tarantino did and he not, sorry, not to jump in. I I interrupt people. That's what I do. But like, he does this, he has this like hard charging pit Leo plot. Then, then it's like dancing through the plot is this, this like, like crazy national news story that sort of, I I love stuff like that, that hits on historical references without being a straight documentary or a, or a re-mockumentary. Like that was the beauty of it to me.
1: I thought he nailed it because there have been, and and I'm pretty much a completist on watching any type of um, film or documentary about the Manson family and Sharon Tate, and 88% of them get it so wrong, and it's just so schlocky. And um, I think he went at it in a very uh, original, personal way, and I like that. Um, But in terms of the rest of the list, I – Whenever I put those lists I look at it two seconds later and I thought, oh, what have I done? I, it's so I hard. I don't know how to order it because I, yesterday, for instance, I was just randomly watching a little bit of Inglorious Bastards and I was like, wait a minute. I forgot. I, was, we were how watching, much we, I love
0: this. We were watching that this morning. Like, ever, so, like, because it's That's on what we're Netflix. doing. We're locked
1: in our homes here. That's what yeah, you're yeah, doing yeah. at this point, you know? Yeah. But I mean, I honestly, um, I, the last one that I saw, I didn't see Django for when it came out. I, life was busy and I just, I wasn't really in, yeah. in that world at that point. Um, and when I watched it last summer, I mean, it, and I watched it alone, um, with, I decided not to turn on the cell phone, not to do the thing where you interrupt the movie 640 times, sure. no kids around and it blew my mind. And so I really struggled to put it, um, in order. I'm not a huge Kill Bill guy. I would say those to me. I, and again, if I were to go watch them, maybe I'd see them through new eyes, but, um, I saw someone putting Kill Bill one and two at the top of their list. And I think, yeah. I just see these movies differently. I don't, I don't view it that way.
0: I, I would agree with that. I, I, my thing is, I have trouble putting, and I rewatched Pulp Fiction, I think, like, last summer, and it holds up very well, but, yeah. it, but at the same time, there are a lot of it that, like, it was, it was, it's, I think it's been romanticized a little bit, in terms of, like, you watch it, you're like, damn,
1: this is really dark. Like, I think it, I also think his, like, overall filmmaking, and that movie's pretty perfect, but, he didn't just do the Kevin Smith thing where you make the f- same movie over and over, um, which now I, maybe some people will hate that opinion, but I felt that way about oh, he, Kevin just sort of like, you know, playing the hits, but um every one of Tarantino's movies are so vastly different that I think that his, his world just expanded. And Pulp Fiction was like the
0: doorway in. Yeah. So I, I guess I, with Pulp Fiction, it's like impossible for me almost to not have it number one, if only because it's like, when people are like, who's the greatest band of all time? You're like, well, it's either the Beatles or the, you know, like right. you just right. sort of out of deference to pulp fiction because it's what launched all this other stuff. I, I don't know. If it's my favorite. I think Inglorious Bastards is probably my favorite Tarantino movie. And then maybe once upon a time, just in terms of like sheer rewatchability and enjoyment. And like I can throw it on and I won't blink twice. I watched yeah. Django and the hateful eight in the last week, actually, just cause they've been wow. on Netflix. Django is incredible. I, it was weird because I felt um, I think my wife walked in in the afternoon. I was watching Django and she's like, what are you doing? And it, you know, during these times where there are these racial issues taking place, it's sort of, it's very off putting to have uh, racial slurs, like yelling on the screen, especially into something that's not like a documentary, but like, I also right. think that it, it speaks to it. It's like, Yo, like this, like you realize this is like a couple hundred years ago, and this was happening, like it's insane. And the same thing with *Hateful Eight to a degree. I thought *Hateful Eight was better than I originally thought it was when I rewatched it, because there's no, it's it's a very it's very slow.
1: It's the one that I forget about sometimes when I'm trying to think about these, you know, how I'd slot these. Um, and I totally agree with what you said about Django. I, I, I think if anything, more people should watch it now than than shy away from it. Um, I agree it, with that, right? I mean, it's like, um. I'll give Tarantino this when it, whether it, whenever it was PC or not PC to do anything, he's basically just said, um, no, I'm going to write it the way I want to. I, I trust that I'll write it
0: correctly. And it's like, yeah, you do You have written it correctly. So yeah. Like, I mean, you, 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 it's like, cause there was a lot of pushback when it came out. Um, and the other thing about, you know, even with Django and hateful eight and Inglorious bastards, I feel like, uh, and this is—you could tell—it's like he did Kill Bill, and it was like how he wanted to do it with the, you know, the old martial arts movie. And then he did it, like the—I never watched the Grindhouse ones, but you could tell that, like, all of that infiltrated, Inglori- like, Inglorious Bastards and Django, because you're watching the shootout scene with Jamie Fox in the in the Candyland house. It's like these guys are going to hit with bullets and it's like spraying up like a, like a torpedo exploding. It's like, that's not how, that's not how gunfights work, but sure, whatever. (laughs) Um, Debo has chimed in it correctly to point out, he's like, did you mention Jackie Brown? No, we did not mention Jackie Brown. I love Jackie Brown. I I think Jackie
1: Brown was like, was number two on my list. And that I caught a lot of flack for that because it, it, you know, it pushes the rest down, but um, I think Jackie Brown gets better. And I, I, they, you know, here in LA, they have theaters that there's a theater that Tarantino owns um, the new Beverly, which yeah. I go to a bunch and they, this, before all this happened, I think it was in the fall. Um, they had Jackie Brown um, on the big screen showing it like 11 at night. And it was just like the, to see it with, with a full audience of people That's um, cool. completely changed the experience. And it's just, to me, it gets better and better all the time. And he, he adapted that from a book where the lead in the book was a white female. And so it's like he, for all the people, for all the flack he catches, I mean, he's always been going in the direction of, I'm going to do it my way. And I think ultimately, you know, the the people that can't stand him, have a nice time with yourselves. Uh, I don't agree with you.
0: Well, and the Jackie Brown thing too came on the heels of what I think are probably his two worst movies, Four Rooms and From Dusk Till Dawn. And then he, maybe I'm wrong, maybe disagree, but then he drops this, he's like, okay, so I did a vampire movie that's not necessarily his, fully him, but you know, right. he did the, the four rooms, which is like a too cute version with Tim Roth. And then he does, you know, uh, the vampire movie. And then he's like, by the way, here's a blaxploitation fit. Like, uh, like you said, adapted from a, you know, totally like out of no, it's, it's just, it is incredible the breadth, the, 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 the breadth of what he's able to do, um. Yeah, I, I, it's hard. It's hard to rank them. I don't know. I don't know how you rank them. Not what's an you? easy, t- not an easy chore. No, not easy chore. All right. What's the, uh, what is the most fun thing you've done during quarantine? We'll get you out of here. Out of here on this. Or what is the stupidest thing you've done during quarantine?
1: <clears throat> well, we bought our children. Um, I, my kids are eight and nine, and they're 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 dangerously because they can't go anywhere. Yeah. They've formed a legit addiction to um video games. And yeah. when we're, when my wife and I are trying to work, it's the only way to keep them from like banging on the door right here while I do things like this. Uh, so we thought, well, you know what, let's make this a, a group thing. And so we purchased an Xbox, my wife and I, one night, we, nice. you know, we're like, let's do it. And then we realized, wait a minute, we're opening up a <laughs> Pandora's box. And so the Xbox is literally um, packed under our bed. Because we do, it's just not the time. We just, so don't they don't travel. know about it. They don't know about it because there, <laughs> there is a time and we will give it to them, but we just decided it's too much, um, at the moment. We couldn't control it. And so what we've done is occasionally, um, we'll break it out at night and we'll play. Um, or even when they, they went away for one night to a, li- to a little Airbnb thing and I just like, I was like, I'm going to play Xbox for like six What did six you, hours. what did you play? Well, it was, um, that came with a bunch of like Jedi fallen Jedi Order business, uh, right, which right, right. I try. I kind of was just trying different things, but there was there's a couple, and I'd had. I'm I'm terrible with the names, but there are a couple. I like ones that are um adventure games that are a little more cerebral, where I'm not sure what the goal is. It's not clear what the goal is, and there was one one like that that I got hooked into for a couple hours. Um, i played Madden a bunch, yeah. yeah. Which I which I hadn't played since like 1998. It's really fun. It's really fun, and it was yeah. just like. Uh, so it's kind of something that we've done occasionally on our so-called date nights, uh, but I do feel guilty. It feels silly to me because we bought it for our kids, and we're, they have no concept that it exists
0: no save it you what you do is you play it, then you repackage it for Christmas and you drop a bomb on them. Well, and then the all perfect, of a sudden they're that's like the wow. perfect move wow or like we're like quarantine finally or like get, I don't know, get to somebody's birthday and then hammer it with them. Um yes, it will uh, eventually
1: land in their hands. but I kind of like the the arrangement of uh, them not knowing it this It's particular.
0: also sort of like a you know like the um like a you know a uh, the, the theory behind like a romantic tryst is more exciting when it's like, you know, it's, it's a secret, like oh, you're playing, yes. like, you're playing like secret Xbox. So <laughs> well, It's also good.
1: to the point where like they, they like to come out of their room a lot. And so we almost got caught a few times where I had to like <laughs> zap the TV off because you know, they're very perceptive. They would have known what was going
0: on there. So it's fantastic. Uh, all right. At Mark Sessler on Twitter. Good friend of the show. Thank you so much for taking the time, buddy. Kept you way too long for two shows. Uh, coming up after the break, we'll answer some mailbag questions with the super friends. Thanks my friend. All right, thanks. It was fun. I'd love to uh, do it again when
1: our teams, my team, is a playoff team. If the Browns do that, I'm coming on the show for three hours. Absolutely.
0: The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes,
3: legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half,
0: we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, great talk with Sessler. I forced him into two segments, two different podcasts. Gotta love Mark Sessler. Awesome dude. Uh, Also gotta love a super friends mailbag Monday. As Breach would say, Charlie, you want to give a shot? Mailbag! You got mail time. Mailbag works. That's pretty good. We'll give you that. It's not bad for the first effort. It's the deepest it I've ever the, heard you.
3: Put me on the, put me on the spot here.
0: It was good. I, this is the deepest I've ever heard your uh, voice. Uh, yeah, this week we were actually,
3: all set up to dunk on me too. Yep.
0: Um, this week we're actually going to pivot off of Apple podcast reviews and we're going to answer questions from our Facebook group. You can go to pick six, go to Facebook.com, search for pick six podcast and join our exclusive Facebook group. Um, If you want a hundred percent chance of getting your question answered, however, leave it as a five star review on Apple podcast. I would point out there's a great one out there that I saw that somebody just recently left, but I think we need to wait until Breach gets back to answer it. It is, uh, what alcoholic drink would each of the super friends be? So just marinate on that.
2: Reiterate the one about you interrupting people.
0: No. Okay. Ironically enough. I don't know if you're aware of this, but when you read that review about me constantly interrupting people, you actually interrupted me to read it.
2: Great use of irony. You got it right. <laughs> A plus.
0: <laughs> I feel like I usually get irony, right? Do I not? A lot of people don't, so I'm glad you Most people do not. That is correct. Uh, okay, so let's go to our Facebook questions. We'll start with Joseph. Joseph Wager. Could it be Wagner and Debo? I got
3: excited at first because I thought it was a fellow Wagner, but it's not.
0: Uh, Joseph Wager McSnuff. (laughs) I don't know. What could uh, I'm, I'm, I vacate, I have vacation in my sights. We're recording this on Thursday, of course. Uh, what could the NFL do to compensate running backs to avoid the recurring holdouts? Higher rookie scale for the position or. Money doesn't count against the cap. As two possible examples, anybody have a uh, something that could work to help these guys out?
2: I think the easiest solution, and it's not easy at all, is to if you're going to be a running back, make sure you play exactly like Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> because if you can catch passes and then you also happen to run the ball, that's great. But I think the way this situation's going, and we talk about it all the time, we talk about running backs: Le'Veon Bell, Todd Gurley, David Johnson, um, to a lesser extent, Zeke Elliott, but. It just doesn't make sense to pay these guys. And, and I understand why Derrick Henry and Dalvin Cook may consider holding out, but they just play the wrong position unless you're gonna be like Christian McCaffrey. And even some folks weren't happy about the Christian McCaffrey deal. And you could say, well, people some people aren't happy about any contract. But I think if you did the math, fewer people cared about Kirk Cousins getting three years and eighty five million guaranteed fully, as opposed to the to the C to to the um C Mac trade, is like they call them the C Mac deal.
0: I don't think people were even mad about the Christian McCaffrey deal. And I mean I sort of hypothesized on the on the show at the time that perhaps it was smart of the Panthers to pay Christian McCaffrey now. Like if you're going to pay Christian McCaffrey or if you think you're gonna pay Christian McCaffrey, why not just go ahead and pay him now rather than waiting three more years to pay him?
2: Oh, you mean with the final year, two more franchise tax?
0: Yeah, like you could string it all the way out, and then you get to the end of the second franchise tag, and then you either let him walk or you maybe you pay him because he's still playing really well. Like I'd rather go in, like at least if you're going to pay a running back, pay him now. This didn't work out with Todd Gurley,
2: obviously. So or Le'Veon Bell.
0: I would I would say my two suggestions would be one, and I don't know how you do this, but it would be it would really really behoove running backs to be able to leave college earlier before they have all that tread on their tires. I don't know how you do that. Like, if you're a running back, you can go to the NFL earlier than a quarterback. That that seems like a, a bridge too far to cross. And then, two, I mean, get rid of the franchise tag for running backs. They might make less. I
2: mean, That's where's Derek nice. Henry right now? Is he making ten point eight million dollars a year on, on a one year deal?
0: That's a good point.
3: Yeah, I don't, I, I don't think there is a solution. I just, it's just the nature of, of the sport and the way it's changed. And I don't. Unless there's a major seismic shift in the way football is viewed and played, which isn't going to happen. If anything, the teams that have given long-term contracts to running backs in recent years, if anything, are only going to keep getting smarter and smarter as, um, quote-unquote, analytics or whatever, take more of a stronghold over NFL thinking. That it, If anything, I feel like it's going to get worse like you're not going to see the Zeke's and the McCaffrey's even get those deals. Because I know Brenton, you're saying that like not that many people freaked out about it, but from my pers- about the McCaffrey deal, but from my perspective, yes, he's the perfect running back. If you're going to pay one, he is what you want to look like. And unlike Todd Gurley, he doesn't have any really big preexisting injuries that we knew about. And that the Rams knew that about Todd Gurley. They took Todd
0: Gurley towards ACL in college. Yeah. I mean,
3: yeah, He didn't play the first half of his rookie year because of that knee injury, right. but I think the reverse argument is I was saying before they signed McCaffrey is if the Panthers were really serious about a rebuild, now is the time to try to trade him and get a highest pick as possible for him because his value is probably at its highest. Now I, he's going to be the number one pick in fantasy drafts. I still think he's a good bet to lead the league probably in yards from scrimmage, but still the odds of him doing what he did a year ago are pretty slim.
0: For sure. And I, again, like I think the Panthers are in a different position than say the Cowboys because the Panthers were not, you know, I mean like the Cowboys, when they signed Zeke Elliott, they, they were in a, just on a different, like, uh, so a different level, but like different plan, right? I mean, the Panthers are different sw- timelines. Yeah. Different timeline. That's what I was looking for. Thank you. Jeez. Uh, so yeah, I mean like you can, again, you can pay Christian McCaffrey. It keeps your fan base happy that you didn't just ditch everybody. You know, he is the focal point of your offense. He is an explosive, exciting player. He's going to make life easier for, for Teddy Bridgewater and everybody on that offense. Um, and you don't, you don't have a whole lot of people you're worried about dealing with right now. So I don't really mind that per se. It's It's the Zeke Elliott, it's the Todd Gurley. I mean, it just it doesn't ever work out. Le'Veon Bell, it doesn't ever, David Johnson, it doesn't ever work out. So, sort of.
2: You know, it worked out,
0: or it should work out. Even if it doesn't work out, it worked out. The Austin Eckler deal.
2: Four years, $24 I think. Is that what it was? Something like that? That's fine, though. I don't mind. Like, if you're you're going to tighten that, but, yeah. He caught nearly a 1,000 yards receiving. He runs the ball, and you're not breaking the bank. Yeah, I agree with you.
0: All right, uh, I mean, there's no – there is no great solution is the bottom line.
3: The only way, again, the solution would be – there would have to be like a change almost in like the rules that made running backs a more valuable position, but that's just never going to happen.
0: Right, you can't – You're. That's. it's going the opposite way. <laughs>
2: exactly. And it's not Sean coming didn't even make a. Uh, didn't even make a Josh Allen joke there, Sean. Disappointed in you. I know. I, I, was, Please, I was pausing. Wait, wait.
3: To... When, when they, um, when they sign him to his new deal, I will call him the highest paid running back.
2: I was pausing
0: so you could yell Jay Cutler. <laughs> but it didn't happen. By the way, speaking of
2: running backs to play quarterback, would you rather have Josh Allen or Mitch Trubisky? What? Not Josh, Josh Allen. Allen? Obviously. Oh, okay. I didn't know if you were.
3: No, I mean, like, I don't, I'm not a big Josh Allen fan and I don't expect him to make the leap that a lot of people think he's going to make, but there's still a chance he could do that. I'm out on Trubisky ever oh. doing that.
0: Yeah, Trubisky's in his last year with the Bears. Josh Allen could take he has a, a chance. He
3: has a chance, yeah.
0: Mr. Trubisky is in
2: the final year of his rookie deal, deal with the Bears. He's coming back for four more years. He might get franchise tagged next year. But
0: for the sake of this podcast, it needs to happen. All you right, know we, what?
3: We, okay, yeah, we don't have to talk about it. Yeah, let's not.
0: <laughs> David Townsend – it's not your mailbag, Sean. David Townsend asks, as we enter the bizarre world known as 2020, let us just imagine, if you will – John Gruden turns the Raiders organization around and leads the team to a Super Bowl berth with David Carr, Derek Carr, excuse me, leading the team. What does Brinson do when he comes face to face with his sworn enemy? It's a fantastic question. Uh, Do you guys want to answer first or would you like me to? Sean, you go ahead and I'll follow.
3: I was going to say he's running in the opposite direction. If he ever runs into a member of the Carr family in person, uh, no, I think at some point in the middle of that Super Bowl season, Princeton's going to pivot and pretend like all last season long he'd been talking about how the Raiders are like a sneaky playoff team, whoa, and he whoa. had the foresight. That, so that's what's going to happen. He's going to pivot as in like, yeah, but look what I was—I've been saying since March. I've been on this bandwagon since day one.
2: He will. He he won't pivot. <laughs> because he's gonna, he'll he'll just dig in his heels and hope they, they lose like uh, in the in the thirteen and three or twelve and four year when we made a
0: bet with our pivot four. is such an insult. I wouldn't pivot. All, I wouldn't be like, I told you guys the Raiders were gonna be great. That's how uh, that listen.
2: You, you there's a fifty fifty chance you would pivot. I'm going not right. on
0: oh, the Raiders. But here's what would happen.
2: Uh, he, he would come face to face with David Carr, or excuse me, Derek Carr, at one of these uh, like media night or whatever the Super Bowl, and he would totally cave. See, so, listen, I was just kidding about the other stuff. Um, I, I had a blog about your brother once. It was called Mr. Mittens, but I meant it in a good way, and he would try to get back in his good graces. And by the way, when he jumps on the Raiders bandwagon, I will be driving that Raiders bandwagon because I've been on the Raiders going to the playoffs bandwagon since the moment they signed Marcus Mariota.
3: Yeah, I was gonna say, but with Mariota, and this is very clearly a car.
0: If yeah, if the Raiders go to the playoffs of Mariota, it's I'm I'm in, baby. Let's go. Let's We're celebrating. <laughs> and I was I'll say this. Last year, I thought that we spent a considerable amount of time saying that John Gruden is doing a really good job as the head coach of the Raiders and Mike Mayock is doing a great job acquiring talent for the Raiders and that Derek Carr is playing pretty – like Derek Carr is playing not terribly. I don't think – well, I mean, he look, he che- he checks it down. Most, he plays the way he plays.
2: I like this team, and I think if they were in another division, they would have a, a, a decent chance of making the playoffs. I don't know if they can do it in the AFC West. But if, if they won nine games, I, I, I could sort of wrap my brain around that.
3: Yeah. I was actually in the, before we started recording this in the process of doing that depth chart article for the, for the Raiders. And I defensively, I have a lot of concerns, but when you actually look at just that offense, outside of the quarterback position, that's probably the biggest problem. It's kind of like, I feel like sneakily loaded, you know, with Darren Waller adding Henry Ruggs to Tyrell Williams, Hunter Renfro had a really good rookie year for a fifth round pick. I think the offensive line is actually pretty good, has a chance to be pretty good. So I I actually think when you line up these rosters, the the Raiders aren't that far off of maybe the second best team in the, in the AFC West problem is there's such a big gap between the first and second best team.
0: I I think that, you could, you could convince me that any one of the other, the non-chiefs teams wins, finishes second in the division and makes the playoffs. I mean, it's, it's, look, if Derek Carr plays well, we'll acknowledge it. I'd say, I'm not gonna, I'm not rooting for him to suck.
2: Who wins more games? Derek Carr on the Broncos or Drew Brees on the, Drew, Brees, Drew Locke on the Broncos? Uh, I would,
3: Derek Carr, I would say. If, if I, I was, bet, if I had to bet.
0: Yeah. I would, I would, I would, posit that Derek Carr would be like minus 150 and Drew Locke would be like plus 140 for yeah, who would fun. win the most games. Just because we have I mean, D- Drew Locke has a higher ceiling because we I think we know what Derek Carr's ceiling is and I think we'd be surprised if Derek Carr blossomed. I, I will say this. I, we are not giving, and this happens You biases creep in when you, you know, even if you're a professional football analyst um, <laughs> professional yeah, the, no, but Like, I am predisposed not to be on the Derek Carr bandwagon. And as such, I think that it is very easy for me to root. Like, I'm not not like I'm rooting for Derek Carr not to succeed. But I I guess what I'm saying is, like, if Derek Carr does, like, I I would, I'm more lenient giving somebody three years in a system than I would be, you know, than I am with Derek Carr. And that's, that's on me. Like I need to be, he, he, he got a whole new head coach with a really complex offensive system in John Gruden and he appears to be approving it. I just firmly believe that John Gruden is looking for someone else that can elevate his team and that the contract says what it says and that the production says what it is. So I, I think that they'll move on eventually, but I'm not, I mean, I'm not trying to, I'm not rooting against Derek Carr.
2: I would imagine that both of you agree that Derek Carr would be the win more games in Los Angeles for the Chargers than Tyrod Taylor.
0: Yeah. 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 I'll say that.
2: So that, you know what that means? Derek Carr is the second best quarterback in that division.
0: Yeah. That's, I, I think that's a very fair statement. Mm, okay. So based on, based on what we've seen. Yeah. Resume and what we've seen, Derek Carr is definitely the best, second best quarterback yeah. in the NFC, in the AFC West. Now, that's right now on June 11th or June 15th, 2020. That could, that could be completely different in, uh, on September
2: the
0: year. 15th. Yeah. Or, or by November when, or is Marcus Mariota the second-best quarterback in the division? <laughs>
2: Ooh, there it
0: is. Yeah. All right. Next question from – Oh, I didn't actually answer it. Uh, I would probably – I would act like – like, hey, uh, hi, hi, Derek. Um, Fantastic season so far. You guys – the offense really seemed to come together, and you guys really uh, appeared would to you know apologize. I don't think – I'm not going to do – see, Prisco did that with Russell Wilson. I don't care for it.
2: What if Derek Carr said to you, oh, you're that guy that said X, Y, and Z?
0: Then I would say, hey, you know what, man? I'm wrong. You made it to the Super Bowl. That's on me. I'll own it. But, like, Prisco went up to Russell Wilson and was like, I know I've been hard on you your entire career. And, and Russell just gave him a who are you look. Like, who are you? That's what you don't want is, like, going up to the quarterback and you say, "Uh, yeah, I'm so, like, I'm so sorry I ripped you. And he's like, uh, who the hell are you, dude? You're like, ah, I mean, that's, that's what you don't want. So I'm not going to do that, but I would, uh, sure. I would definitely, uh, turn tail and run. I would act, I would, I would kowtow to him. Stephen Brown, the third asks, Ken will describe his marriage to us because I don't think I've ever heard him say a positive thing about it. I'd like to hope there's some good involved. In
2: Steven's defense in this podcast. I don't think I've ever heard you say a positive thing about being married. Either.
0: Yep. Yeah. That's, it's probably true. Uh, <laughs> No, I mean, I'm not going to deny that. I, you know, my, I, I think the thing with the, you know, the marriage thing on here is that it's probably a little bit like, I, I don't, I don't really do like, you know, I, like I don't, I'm not, I don't, I don't make bits about my, like I don't, I don't, I, I am just who I am on the podcast. I, mean, I don't change anything about it, but I probably lean into the marriage thing a little bit. Um, but I probably do that publicly anyway. It, it's, it's, you know, you can't, I mean, look, if we're talking about our personal lives on here all the time, you know, it, inherently, the complaints are going to come out, but my wife is a wonderful and loving and caring person and is a great mother. And she, we've been married for nine years now and have known each other since 1999. Uh, mm. So maybe I just feel extremely comfortable uh, being uh, open about, you know, if I'm- my
3: question for you is when does she listen to the podcast and when she does, is she disturbed by how often you are complaining about your marriage?
0: She does not listen to the podcast. She did listen to the Drew Brees podcast and said, you, we, you guys did a great job.
2: She left me a Facebook message.
0: <laughs> so, oh, there you go.
2: That was very nice. Yeah. Uh, um,
0: yeah. Well,
2: I think the what you need to consider is that when you say these things, Brenton, that's a bad example for Sean. His girlfriend now is there all the time, and he's never said anything bad about her, and I hope he doesn't pick up on that.
0: I also think that what is being perceived as me complaining about my marriage is me telling Sean, "Hey, buddy, uh, you know you could be single for a long period. Like I have friends my age who are who are currently single and not married with no kids, and they are you know they are ostensibly uh, nothing short of filthy rich, with tons of free time and freedom."
2: Yeah, but so, they're still in their late thirties, having to be on Tinder, and that maybe that's fun, like for a while but I imagine after a period of time you're like all right this is annoying having to talk to people that maybe I don't feel like are. for what it's
3: worth for the listeners just so they know Brinson's been telling me this long before we started podcasting this was a like year one month one I know Sean how old is he okay I gotta tell him this
0: well and it's not like it's not like I I mean I wouldn't change where I'm at I'm just telling you that there are certain restrictions that come with being married and having kids. Now, again, like I love my son. I love my wife. Been married for nine years. My son's six. He's a wonderful little fart monster. But, uh, at the same time, uh, you know, I'm just saying if I, I, I'm just saying that I don't think, I think there's a, a sense that you should rush into like, like, all right, you know, got a job, time to get married. Kind of got the kids. Maybe, you know, maybe, maybe you could take your time.
2: Yeah. If you get married in your thirties, there's nothing wrong with that.
0: Right. Exactly. Uh, okay. Moving along to the next one, can we get a super friends and super fans fantasy or pick'em league going for this season? To that, I would say, absolutely.
2: Yeah, I'm terrible at fantasy, but I'll I'll play.
0: Uh, I don't. We did a, a four league super thing a few years ago, and it was just too much. I had to be commissioner for all of them. It was it was a lot going on. So. Uh, what we'll probably do is figure out a way to do a contest where we have the four super friends and Debo, right? And I assume Debo wants to play. And, um, and then we, we do a thing where we, we find X number of of, of listeners to jump on with us, like eight listeners or six, six, seven listeners to jump on with us. So yeah, we'll definitely do one. That sounds like a great idea. Dylan Hager asked, did anybody watch the old TV show, the league? If so, who's your favorite character and what is your favorite episode?
2: Yeah, the league was my jam and my jam for a couple of reasons because one of the actors in it, um, Steven Ranazizi, I used to talk to him every year right before the, the preceding the, the season coming out uh, when I was with Fan House AOL. That's and right. he, he was actually a fantastic guy. He got in trouble sort of, uh, social media oh, trouble. Yeah. For, for saying he was somewhere that he wasn't. But, um, that show was amazing. Dave Prohl, Mark Duplass, Jason Manzukas, who, um, you probably know from everywhere, but he was Dennis Feinstein on Parks and Recs. He's the guy who sold the cologne that Brenton likes to wear. Paul Shear. Um, Mark Eplass's wife was in it, Katie Azelton. Um, I don't know if I have a favorite episode. I haven't watched it in a while, but it, it was one of those shows that was based on Curb Your Enthusiasm in terms of just sort of not having a script, but having sort of um, bullet points, and then you work from that. I think it was produced maybe by the same people that did Curb. So, uh, yeah, that was, that was a. Fantastic show.
0: I was I was all in on that. The production company was Chicken Sticks. I didn't see Sean not watching this, by the way.
3: No, I uh I didn't finish it. I think I watched the first three oh, seasons did? maybe. I yeah. got a little bit bored with it after the first couple seasons. Uh whoever Nick Kroll played, he was probably my favorite character. He would always tinker every night and morning. I remember that was his thing with his fancy lineups. And then the one episode where he like drank too much vodka and passed out and forgot to set his lineup. <laughs> always stuck with me. Uh, my favorite episode is is obvious. It's the one where Jay Cutler appeared on it.
0: Ah, of course. Uh, by the way, Jeff Schaefer, one of the creators there, uh, was actually the one who created the Festivus poll for Seinfeld. So, yes, there are certain, certainly uh, some connections there. I would go so far as to say that Taco is my favorite character. Yeah, he's like a guy I haven't heard of since. Like I don't know what he's been up to, but um I agree. Plays the guitar. I, I don't remember any of the specific episodes. I know Antonio Gates was in one of them. I found that interesting. And um okay. Moving along. Maxwell Meharry asks, where does Juju's career go to die after Pittsburgh if he has a down year and the Steelers don't want him anymore? What about James Conner? Love the show, very thankful for the commentary, especially as of late.
2: I don't think his career died. So um if you check the podcast feed, I talk. We're saying
0: if it dies.
2: Right. Well, I'm going to pimp the show here. So I talked to Jim Wetzel from Steel City Steel City Insider um, last week, and we talked exactly about that. And he thinks that uh, the emergence of Deontay Johnson, who everybody, in terms of fantasy purposes, is all over, expects to have a big year. So Big Ben coming back, Deontay Johnson taking a huge leap from year one to year two. Um, the draft Chase Claypool. Maybe Juju plays like he did two years ago when he had – however many thousands of yards receiving more so than a b but if he goes into the tank and if things don't work out for whatever reason i mean he could go to new england but i mean it's a new england without tom brady now so how different is that um and and perhaps have some success there there are plenty of teams that that will pay pay to have juju i just don't know if they're going to pay to have him at what he wants to be paid if he craps out in 2020
0: Juju, let's uh, settle down. Juju, Juju's two years into his career. He had a historically yeah. great rookie, three years into his career. That's oh,
3: yeah. right.
0: Yeah, sorry. He had a very
3: good rookie year, though. Yes,
0: mm-hmm. exactly. Um I, I, It's just panicking over Juju's production the year after Antonio Brown left is, is just crazy to me. Like, he's not, I mean. If he
3: had done what he had did with Ben Roethlisberger, then I think there would be some cause for concern. But when you – Factor in who is throwing him the ball. I don't think you' kidding.
0: I don't, only, think, but,
3: don't make too much of it. Let, he was let's, hurt.
0: Yeah, he was hurt. He only played twelve games. He was on a bad offense, and he he was taking over the role as the number one wide receiver. He he didn't he went up to snuff, and he lost his all pro quarterback. Like it, it happens. Yeah, he's I
2: mean, a, let um, other than DeAndre Hopkins, who can catch passes from anybody, let anyone else try to catch passes from Doug Hodges and Mason Rudolph. He's
0: not even twenty four.
2: Yeah, he's younger than he might be younger than Joe Burrow.
0: He's not going anywhere. I don't think he, so. He'll be on the Steelers for the next six years. I can, I'll book that.
2: Can't okay. go anywhere.
0: Yeah. him in the second round, they drafted him 62nd overall, and the and he's less than 24 years old, and he has two. He has a 1400 yard season. This is is preposterous. He, he'll be back and he'll have a huge year.
3: Yeah, even with his down years, averaging 965 yards and six touchdowns per season, and that's after that Mason Rudolph, devil not Hodges year.
0: Correct. Uh, Victor Garcia. Ask the next five upcoming coaches that will be available for a head coaching job after a firing sale happens. So who are the percent? Yeah, Eric Bienami of Kansas oh, City. Oh, offensive coordinator. Oh,
2: guys who will get promoted. I think you mean guys who are going to get fired and perhaps rehired somewhere else. Okay. Uh,
0: no, I, I think he know. means like head coaching candidates. I did the wrong problem.
2: <laughs>
3: uh Mike McDaniel, 49ers offensive coaching staff.
2: The uh, defensive coordinator for the 49ers. Robert Sala. This actually, you know what? This may be a situation where we see a lot more people of color, too, getting jobs in, in light of everything that's happened because, you know, NFL came out their statement the day after the NFL players did, and there, there seems to be a legit push. So that could be interesting as well. In, I think in Robert,
0: that, Robert Sala. I that same like uh, Byron Leftwich could make a lot of sense. Byron
2: Leftwich, but Sala, I think, I'm not sure of his background, but I think he is not white.
0: He is I'm not, not sure. Caucasian.
2: Right, yeah, okay. So he would, he would certainly be in that conversation.
0: One thing to keep an eye on, um, uh, Joe Brady would be kind of interesting. He's super young, but uh, if like the Panthers yeah. offense is awesome this year.
2: Yeah, he's 31 or something.
0: Right. Uh, maybe more likely would be if, 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 again, if the Panthers offense is awesome, what would happen if, um, people started rating college, like if Matt Rule has a great season, maybe people really start to take a look at the college level and say, all right, are there guys here who can help us? Uh, become a, a better, you know, a better, a better team by going out and looking in college. Should we start? Should we start considering that more often than we have before? Uh, we didn't mention Greg Roman, who who would certainly make a lot of sense. Matt Eberfoss is, is um, Josh
2: McDaniels we'll, still? Sure. Okay. Yeah. What happens? Uh, I wonder, like, if the Patriots go four and twelve or something, and Bill Belichick's like, "Forget it, I'm sixty nine years old." Maybe that's Josh's finally gets promoted.
0: I, was, I just no, think McDaniels will always be a candidate because of his success in the past.
2: I was going to say, knowing the Patriots, though, Bill Belichick would retire, and they would hire Joe Judge away from from the Giants, and then they would move on from Josh McDaniels.
0: That makes total sense. Uh All right, finally, from Milton Sousa, what are the Superfriends' second favorite sport and favorite team from that sport? Hmm. I
2: think me and Sean are on the same page with this one.
3: Different teams, fortunately for you, but.
2: Yeah, soccer, so yeah, we're soccer people. Sean's more into women's soccer than I am. I do like watching women's soccer, but I don't watch it as closely as he does. My favorite team, like Sean's favorite team, is Arsenal. You can talk about that. I don't really have a favorite team professionally. I would say the U.S. men's National Team. Oof.
3: Yeah, maybe that, maybe you do have it worse than I do, actually.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's a tough. I like watching Man City with Pep. I've said that before, but um, yeah, I, I love watching soccer. It's it's like a great thing to do on Saturday mornings.
3: Used to be anyway.
0: Uh, well, it's I would coming s- back.
3: It's coming back this week or next. Week.
0: Uh, it's tough for me. I mean, I. I mean, if I was picking a, t- a team sport, was that was that the question? Sport no,
3: in your team. It's, it's going to be golf, right?
0: Golf would be my second favorite sport. Yeah. But I mean, you can't really pick a team for golf per se. So, uh, Yeah, I mean, I don't know that I have necessarily a favorite player. Like I, lo- I like a lot of these young players. Um, I, if I were picking a team, it, it would be the Atlanta Braves of baseball would be my answer. So. Yeah, but how many times? Do you watch – was the last time you watched a full baseball game? A, a not full Braves year. game or a full baseball game? Full I baseball watch a game. bunch of baseball. Like
2: last year, you regularly watched a lot of baseball? Like every a, night?
0: I, or or? My, I like to watch pitchers pitch for
2: yeah. fantasy. Fantasy, yeah. Oh, okay. I see. I haven't watched a full baseball game discounting this year. God, I don't know. Maybe the World Series three or four years ago. I can't even tell you who was Oh, there. really? I just – I've once I had kids, I did not have time to sit down for four hours every night and just watch, watch. – baseball it's, used to be my favorite sport, too. It's hard to do. Will such uh-huh. a big Braves fan that he started rooting for their rival last year in the playoffs? That's <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about it. Dunk Don, right. play the music.
0: <laughs> well, that's, I'll say this: that's a Debo dunk too. Yeah, Debo out of nowhere, Dunk. Yeah, well, Debo is a D Brown no look dunk. Uh, when you got the wager, when you bet on the Nationals over, and you bet on the Nationals to win the World Series, and there's
2: cash You're willing in. to let your favorite team lose the World Series just so you could win a bet.
0: They didn't play each other.
2: Brenton cares more about himself than
3: anything else. We know this. Yeah, I don't know why I asked This that. isn't surprising.
0: Yeah, right. Don't be surprised. Don't, don't, be. don't be surprised by obvious things. All right. Uh, that's it. That's the show. Great mailbag. Leave your questions on Facebook or Apple Podcast. Talk to. I'll see you guys in a week. See you later